0: You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson.
1: Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 151. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I'm melting
2: I feel like I'm melting It's so My igloo is completely melted here <laughs> There's just there's nothing All the ice and snow is gone The polar bears have said Screw this We're heading even further up north It is so hot I, I did the conversion It's 42 Celsius Which is 107.6 Fahrenheit It's so hot How do people in Florida do this all the time? All the time! Or Arizona, God. Yeah, I don't get
1: it, man. Because you guys have days where, like, your spectrum is just so wide. It, you told me in the winter it's gotten to like minus forty Fahrenheit, and up to one hundred. That is just bizarre.
2: How wide of a yeah. scale it is. It's just awful. It's it's more temperate where you are, right? Because you have the ocean right there to kind of you know cool things down a little bit. It still gets warm, right? It's yeah. like 32 Celsius, I think, there right now. But you don't have this like wall of humidity like we've got going on right now. It's just this wicked heat spell that's just killing us. It's killing us, Smalls. Unbelievable. Yeah,
1: I can't even imagine. So I, I guess camping wasn't a big success in the heat. <laughs>
2: At least we were at the beach, though. Okay, so we good. spent all day at the beach, so that, that was a success. The beach is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very windy the first day, so you just go in the water, and the water's nice and warm. Oh, it was amazing. Right. Uh, and it's one of those, like, super sandy beaches. I'm sure you have those there on, on, Long, on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Just full-on sand dunes and such. Perfect. Perfect time. Uh, sleeping was not great, though, because it's really hot in there. And I was ve- wearing very little in the tent to try and keep cool, and it didn't really work. That's brutal, dude.
1: I can't even imagine. Kudos to you guys for sticking it out, though.
2: Yeah, the kids did well. Uh, my son has a V-shaped um, sunburn on his face. Because okay. when he put his sunblock on, I would tell him, like, So put it on your cheeks. And uh-huh. he would just do that literally. And I'd turn away to like help his sister. And then he'd, like, he'd be on his merry way. What he did is just his cheeks. He didn't do his nose, under his eyes, or his forehead. So he has, from the cheeks down, white. The cheeks above red.
1: <laughs> I've been there before. I feel him, buddy.
2: Just it's because he's in the water all the time. Yeah, yeah, which you think would help, but like he doesn't go under the water at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's wild. Okay. Uh, what's going on with you, man? I need a beer to cool down. I'm actually drinking a beer now on the show. It's incredible.
1: Good for you. Um, not a whole lot this week. It's just been bizarre. I've been. I told you before. Uh, we hopped on here. It's Just a bizarre work week. And uh, I, I believe me, I understand why we're not back to normal and I get it, but I'm very much so yearning to for things to get back to normal just after this week.
2: Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, I could I. I yeah, it's not that we're not Um I understand that we don't have a vaccine and any mm-hmm. of that sorts, but it really just seems like a lot of people are going like, well, we don't have anything. I need to get back to normal. Damn it. Boom. No, no. Wear your damn mask. Yeah. Wear your damn mask. Don't large in your social bubbles larger than it needs to be. We still need to take these precautions. It sucks. It really does. It's really crappy when you're like, you're driving to the store. I've done it. You know, I've got to go pick something up and you get there and you go like, ah, crap, I don't have my mask. Drive back home. Even though they probably have some there. I don't want to have to put them in the burden and like, I just, just go get my own. It's just, but it's unfortunate, but you know, I have a social responsibility to take.
1: No, hundred percent. And I'm not in any way saying like, oh, just forget about, you know, the virus. It's a summertime. Everything's good. It's more <laughs> of just, it's more of just like, I completely understand why things are still the way that they are and that the precautions need to be taken. I get all that. It's just like, I was just frustrating at a frustrating week. I was like, gosh, I really wish we could just go back to normal. So I'm yearning for that.
2: That's all. I hear you, man. I absolutely hear you. I'm, I'm same. Same. Um, do we want to get some hockey talk? Maybe we talk about the what's going to be the new normal for hockey?
1: Absolutely. Let's jump right into it. So our first topic of the day is going to be no compliance buyouts, which uh, could be a little bit of an issue for the New York Islanders as the cap is expected to remain the same at 81 and a half. And uh, the Islanders are going to have to sign a bunch
2: of RFAs. (laughs) Potentially four. Yes. Right? Like, likely four. We don't know if that fourth one in Ilya Sorokin will, they'll have to sign him next year, but I I would imagine they do. That's a lot of money that they're going to have to free up because they already don't have a lot of money. They got Mm -hmm. $10.119 million free for next year. And you have Barzal, Pollock, and Taze. And then Sorokin. Woof.
1: And that, that's without any other kind of improvements that you, Lula and is going to have to, someone's got to get moved out to create space. Like there's just no way around it
2: at this point. There really isn't. No. Th- well, so the, here's the thing. We, we've gone over options before, right? So they yeah. don't have compliance buyouts. And if you don't know what a compliance buyout is, it's essentially, it's the same thing as a regular buyout. Think Rick DiPietro, right? It's the same thing, same rules as a regular buyout. The only difference is it does not count towards the cap. At all, technically the Islanders would still be paying Rick DiPietro on the cap, one point five million dollars per year. Right? It's one point five, I think. I believe. I believe so. I believe I- so. I think that's what it is. Let's just say it is, and I'll find out in a second here. Um, they would still have that count on the cap for years to come, right? Like that's not going anywhere until twenty twenty eight, I think. Yes, twenty twenty eight, twenty nine, and it is, and it is one point five million dollars. So. That would be the situation we're in, except for compliance Bios would say, like, that doesn't count. You don't have to worry about it. It's like a get out of jail card or get out of jail free card. There yeah, we go. yeah. Just like they use with Ricky DiPietro. Di but they're mm-hmm. saying we don't want to do that because the players don't like it because they lose a third of their of their salary. Or their bargain salary, mm-hmm. and the owners don't like it either because then they have to pay this like Rick pietro one point five million dollars for nothing. Like John lodecky and Scott Malkin are coming in, and every like July they have to sign one point five million overs to this like Rick pietro guy. They're like, who the hell is this guy? He shows up in like some flamboyant suit or something. Like, <laughs> oh yes, you. I remember. I'm sorry. I'm sure that's exactly how it works. He has to come and pick <laughs> right? up his check at the Coliseum. Like, well, like an awesome suit, probably. Right, The Grice is right shirt underneath still oh, for course. some reason.
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but that option is gone. That is not on the table. They cannot just say, like, we're going to get rid of Johnny Boychuk's contract. We're not going to, or, or Andrew Latt, we're going to buy it out. Right. Done. It's off. That ain't going to happen because neither the players or the owners want it. And so no one fought for in this new CBA, which we'll get to in a little bit later.
1: Exactly. But that it just becomes problematic for the Islanders because in some of the scenarios where we talked about trying to create space for next year's team, we were operating under the assumption that there would be a compliance buyout because the last time there was a lockout in 2012-13, that's when we got it. Uh, so I think it was you know, justifiable for us to assume that that could be the case. Uh, obviously, it was never official, but we just thought that could likely be a scenario. Now it's not, and that really only creates one way of clearing out room, which is trades.
2: Well, there there are multiple ways, right? There's a few. So trades is obviously the easiest one. Uh, well, that I may mean, not easiest; it's still hard, right? Like you mm-hmm. still have to find a willing partner to take on an Andrew lad. Sorry, Andrew, your TikToks are great. We'll get to those a bit later as well, mm-hmm. but no no one's going like oh wait he's doing what on what machine get him over now I don't care what prospect no one's doing that no one but that's the easiest way because that's the classic wave of moving players around and shuffling the deck um, but you have to give to to give essentially yeah yeah you have to have
1: <laughs> lad and then add more value on top of that just to get him
2: oh god it's so annoying it's but like we're a give to give situation right yeah. you're just like you gotta give to get we're, we ain't getting nothing we're not getting nothing
1: You have to give to lose.
2: Yeah. But there are other options available right now. Like, they could bury him in the AHL, which would bury $1.075 million, I believe. Right. That's still not a lot. Um, But for someone like Leo Komarov, you're looking at just over a third gone. Um, You could... uh, LTIR. So you could put them on the shelf, and then if you get over the cap, you could then recoup some of that or use some of that money. So let's say they signed Barzal... Pollock and Taves and it gets up to 82 million dollars and then you're saying like well lad your, your knee ain't great and again boom shelved on LTIR obviously they can't do it if he doesn't have any problem
1: that was my um, question is is it like you send someone out with a crowbar and bash him in the knee and like I don't understand what yes <laughs> no, I'm, but could you be like
2: it fudge an in injury I guess is what I'm saying or is it Technically, yes, because Stephane Robida, who played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I use "played" because he didn't actually play, but they he had a, a, what was seen as a questionable injury. No one was sure he was actually unable to play, but he was apparently, and so you put that on the on the LTIR and you recoup all of that money in terms of cap space. If okay. you get to the cap floor or the cap ceiling, ceiling. Sorry. correct? Yeah, yeah,
1: because we saw like the Maple Leafs did that this year.
2: Right. And that, that's another thing that he could do is he, being Lou, could say, like, well, I'm not going to ship anyone out. I'm going to bring someone in. So again, you're giving, but you're getting something. In this case, you're bringing in a dead contract. Someone like a, a Chris Pronger, who is no longer an option, but anyone who's listening understands what I mean by that. Someone like, who's retired, but still has a contract, right? Like is Ryan Callahan an option Is or is he a free agent? Actually. He might. I, I'm not sure. I, I have not checked that out. But yeah, that would be definitely an option. But like
1: a player like that is what we're trying to say.
2: Yeah, you call up the Columbus Blue Jackets. Say like, I'm going to give you, I don't know, first round pick next year. And I want Ryan Callahan's contract. I, I'm not saying that, that would that's what it would cost. But like, I'm just using that as an example. Uh, and, and that would be something. You bring on that contract. And if you happen to get to the cap ceiling, you can now go above it for the full value of Ryan, Ryan Callahan's contract.
1: It's interesting how that works.
2: It's meant so you can be you can be able to bring in a replacement level player, right? So like if you if you happen to be at the ceiling and you're like, well, I'm stuck, I can't bring anyone else in. What do I do? The NHL was like, okay, well then shove them on the LTIR, and then you could use that same space to arguably get a uh, equal value player in return, mm-hmm. and then you use up that space. But what teams have been doing is like the Toronto Maple Leafs and just stockpiling that. And then using it to go thirteen million dollars over the uh, the cap floor or the cap ceiling, sorry, to sign guys like Mitch Martyr or Austin Matthews, John Tavares, all is those there,
1: players. Is there a limit to how many people you could accumulate?
2: Not that I'm aware of. Interesting. Okay. There are very few to go around. As far oh, as I yeah. don't think there's very many right now. That might change, um, but I, I don't think there are very many to go around. No. Yeah, I, I was just. Curious. That's all. Yeah. Uh, so that's an option. Uh, we were they went burying the AHL, uh, bring in an LTIR space uh, trades is another one, and, and then just a regular buyout.
1: Is there any that is worthwhile to do? because like, we know that Ladder and Boychuk isn't really Komarov. Maybe.
2: Yeah, I, I know Arthur Staple wrote about it, and I did as well when I did my options to kind of go over um some of the players that would would probably be buyout worthy uh-huh. so if i just do that i because i don't i think komarov was like a million dollars or nine hundred and some thousand dollars um options cap space good old google thank you google for finding all of my stuff um where i don't remember it obviously it doesn't come up oh god there it is first one <laughs> Um, t- 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 so regular buyout, Johnny Boychuk would be eight hundred thirty three thousand dollars in savings. That would be just for this year. The, sorry, mm-hmm. for the 2020-2021 season, not afterwards. Gotcha. Um, Boychuk would be eight hundred thirty three thousand. Lads six hundred sixty six thousand. Komarov nine hundred sixteen thousand. Cal Clutterbuck one point six million dollars. And that's not every player on the roster and these are are the better options. It's just these are some of the players I can see them moving who have big deals um, who aren't really uh, for a long period of time that they might be able to replace. Um, Cal Clutterbuck is probably the least likely replaceable on that list. Um, Yeah, really. Really, he, He brings the most space, but who do you bring in to play Cal Clutterbuck's role? Komarov. I suppose, right? But like, would you prefer Cal Clutterbuck over Leo Komarov? I just might.
1: I I I would. Yes. It I don't know if the 1.7 million dollars is going to be enough to make it worthwhile, I guess. You know what I mean? You know what I mean?
2: Right. Uh but that's the thing in, in a world where every dollar is going to count, that 1.6 million dollars helps a lot.
1: Yeah. That's true. And it only costs you eight hundred and thirty three thousand against the cap the final two years.
2: For a Cal Clutterbuck? Yeah. So that's pretty good, right? Like, yes, you, you you're spending another eight hundred thirty some odd thousand dollars after the fact, but you were saving one point six before that. And I don't know what it is for twenty one, twenty two. I didn't I didn't write that down. I guess you might have it in it's front the of you. Same,
1: yeah, so what do you want the cap it or the savings? The the Savings, yes. The savings is also one point six 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 six. Although, yeah, you know.
2: that's pretty good. Oh, you're you're saving one point six, not only once but twice, in a situation where the cap isn't moving forward at all. Like it's definitely not moving forward next year. Not only in twenty twenty one, but in twenty one twenty two either.
1: Right, and and like I said, it's a minimal. Uh, cap hit for those last two years that he wouldn't technically be on their contract anyway, but it's the uh, 8 point, not even 8 point, 8, 833,000 for the last two.
2: Right, like that's less than a Matthew Barzell. For
1: right now, exactly.
2: Right, so, that, or the, than an entry-level deal. So, and they are going up too, right? So, mm-hmm. <sighs> there are options still there for the New York Islanders, it's just none of them are the easy out as a compliance No, bio. no. Definitely and when not. I mean easy out, I mean easy out on the eye when it comes to the salary cap. It's not easy on the players. It's not easy on the on the owners either. No, no,
1: no. But from just pure creating space, it's definitely the easiest way to do it. And then I'd probably say trade after that.
2: Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And like some of these guys are still going to be worth something. Like you can trade a, a Johnny Boychuk for something. It's not going to be much, but it's something. No, um, you could probably get you a could pick trade back. Uh, I assume. Yeah, like what a six or seventh probably. For Boychuk, yeah, uh,
1: I might go a little bit higher than that.
2: Fair enough, I take it for sure.
1: Yeah, but, uh, I don't know how much higher. Maybe like a fifth. Uh, if I, I, we're splitting hairs here. But um, I, I think, I think you'd be able to do okay by moving uh, on from Boychuk or even, um, you know, Komarov. I feel like you could sell a team on giving up a late round pick in order to bring in a guy who. You know, I think he can play a fourth line role. The issue is the Islanders aren't putting him in a fourth line role. He's above that, his head.
2: Yeah, their fourth line is already set, right? So exactly, it's uh, it's definitely not going to be
1: easy. It's not, and the compliance buyouts not being an option it
2: definitely stinks. Do
1: you think Thomas Hickey could yield anything?
2: I believe Thomas Hickey could yield something for sure. He he's a a bottom pair defenseman and an okay bottom pair defenseman on most NHL teams. Yeah, like, I agree let's say with you. the bottom half.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think you could be able to get something. And that clears up. That's two and a half, right?
2: Yeah. I at a trade deadline, he would probably yield a second, maybe third round pick. Expiring yeah, deal so. for him, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, I would think if especially if, if he's he playing. It's a little bit different because he hasn't been playing, but under the circumstances if he was, yeah, I would agree with
2: you. Yeah. So I I think he can yield something, and that's that's another two point five million dollars off of our cap right there.
1: No, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Anything else on the compliance buyouts before we move on to CBA?
2: Uh, no, it was an easy out for us. That is no longer uh, there, so we got to find other options. Which which exists is just to see what options he's going to take.
1: Absolutely. Actually, we're going to get into Islanders Panthers first, then CBA stuff after that. So when we come back, we're talking Islanders Panthers right after this. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson with you. Getting into the Islanders versus Panthers series because uh, Brock Nelson had a little bit of a quote this week. And uh, he essentially, paraphrasing here, but he essentially says that it doesn't matter that the Islanders swept the Panthers in the regular season.
2: Do you buy that or not, Mitch? I do buy that. It doesn't matter. Like this is If there's any year where this, the Stanley, the, the playoffs is a separate season, this is the year, right? 100%. I... In most cases, in the in the playoffs, I would
1: still agree with this take. But the fact that it's been three months since they played, also,
2: it's it's like you said, it's essentially starting a new season. It is. They're going to have training camps, mm-hmm. right? They're going to have to travel to another hub. It's a completely different setup outside of the ordinary. It's unprecedented. Like well, like right. we keep on saying, this is really different. So the fact that they went three and zero with them, sh- yes. And then you got to consider when they went three and zero against the Panthers, right? Like they, I think the last time they played them was in December or just middle of January, right?
1: It was definitely early on in the season before the wheels absolutely fell off.
2: That that's what I'm getting at, right? The first two games, like they started the 17 game point streak against them, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I believe I believe you're right.
2: And then they didn't. They played them. I'm just trying to look at the schedule here. Yeah, they didn't play him in January. They didn't play him in February, unless my you know, my eyes aren't focusing on it correctly here. So it was December 12th, the last time they played them. So you're right, like, the wheels didn't fall off yet. They didn't start falling off until Adam Pellick went down on January 2nd. Right. So, right, like, they, they won one, two, three, four, f- like, four of the five games, and three, two of them after the, the, this game here. So the different set of circumstances there's a reason the islanders aren't favored in this series there's a reason for it
1: yeah no that that's definitely true and obviously we know that the islanders islanders team at the end of the season looked completely different than the one earlier on and like same same argument i don't think yes they lost 7 games in a row to end their regular season technically when it came to a close it was a disaster But I don't even think that you could say that okay, like that momentum or lack thereof is gonna carry over to this. Same same ideology. It's so long ago
2: that it doesn't matter. No, exactly. So it's I I like what Brock said that it doesn't matter because it sounds cliche, right? Like that's something that all NHL players say, Mm like, oh, we're going to the new season, doesn't matter. It really doesn't when you look at it now. I, I know that we look at it and say like they played well against the Panthers. Uh, and that is something to hold our hats on. When the Islanders are healthy, they play well against an also healthy Florida Panthers. Right. Uh, but it's not to say like they went 3-0, they're going to sweep these guys 3-0. It's going to be a cakewalk. Eh. No, it's it might not be. Because no. they will also have had a training camp to sort out things with a brand new coach, mind you. Right? Like they had a new coach coming in the season and, and a, kind of a team overhaul with a new goalie. Uh, they, they brought in different players. They tried to move in guys out. Um, like, it's just like Vincent Trocheck is gone, right? Like that's a big part of their offense gone, uh, to shore up the back end. They've got things to work out. So if you're saying that they're going to come out of that training camp and not be very good, I I'm not so certain. Of, certain of that.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. I, uh, while I think that even on paper, I'd argue that the Islanders are the better team and you know, they finished higher in the standings too. So you can make that case. It's really a whole new ballgame for every single one of these teams, but specifically these two who I would I would say it's fair to say both of those teams had their ups and downs at different points throughout the season, but there's no way that you could look to one of those, whether you want to spin it in the positive light or the negative light for either one of those teams and say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to bet that this happened because of what we just saw. Well, again, I know I'm saying it like a broken record, that was so long ago that it doesn't it doesn't matter. Brock is right. It's cliche, but he's stating the obvious here.
2: It doesn't matter at all. No, it it really doesn't. So we can't go into this and say like, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk because we have no idea. We it looks like it, it could very well be, but it could be quite difficult because they do have a really good goalie. They have a really good coach. Uh, they have a pretty good team, at least up uh, up top. Uh, they just got to figure themselves out defensively, and we've seen the worst team defensively go to the best team defensively within a year. So, if we can do it, any team can do it.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, I definitely think that this year, especially, well, usually it's the case anyway, saying that you know the the NHL playoffs are very unpredictable. I think this year is going to be even more so because. There, there's no way that any team can carry any momentum from the the end of the regular season. Like sometimes you see a team get hot, and go on a little bit of a run at the end of the regular season, come into the playoffs, and you know make a little bit of noise. It's
2: every team is cold essentially and starting over. Yeah, it's been three, maybe four months now, four right? Months. Like four. Yeah, they've gone on four months in a couple of days here since they last played. That's a whole off season. That's a reset. Yeah
1: it is 100% cuz think usually your season ends in let's say may if you make the playoffs ideally june june july august september and that's usually when training camp starts so that's your four months off
2: right so like that's a lot that's a reset that's a full reset for these guys and so if you're thinking that they're going to carry over what they had last year at the end of last season that's not going to happen and even just specifically for the islanders again cuz they are they are the They're not favored to go anywhere in these playoffs. They're like a a, a 6,001 odds to win the Stanley Cup because they were so terrible at the end. And you're going, well, you got four months here, guys, and they were not very terrible at the beginning. If I remember, they were like the fourth best team in the league. So there's something to be said about them coming in healthy.
1: Right, and you would assume that this team is going to look different than
2: when it was limping to the finish line with a million injuries. Exactly, so... It, this is going to be quite different, and I, I don't put a total, like, a full stock in the three zero. Um It's something that they, they do play well against them, something that we do have to consider, but that in and of itself isn't going to be like, they're going to win this. They're, a 3-0. No, they're a 3-0. They're 3-0. They're going to win this.
1: No, ex- exactly. 100%. So, uh, want to get into the CBA
2: stuff now? Yeah, let's, there's a lot, there's a lot to go over here. A, a whole lot. I don't Absolutely. know how you want to break this down. There's so much.
1: Yeah, do you want to just run through some of the different uh, things that came out
2: from it? So here's the things that, that I have. I don't have the uh, – anyways, let's go. Uh, flat cap, once the uh, hockey-related revenues reach $4.8 So that's the pre-pandemic level of, of revenue that they had, uh, obviously, before COVID-19. Once it gets to that, then they will reevaluate the cap and do the whole thing. But until then, flat. At least this year next. Okay. Uh, There's a 10% salary deferral by players. So they've said that you can take 10% of our money and give it to us later. Okay. Um, Escrow payments, that was a huge thing for the players, is going to cap at 20% and decrease from there consistently for a couple of years. I think to hit like 10%, um, which it still sucks, but it's half, right? So the players are kind of happy about that. Not kind of, they're a lot happy about that.
1: Now, I've... I'm very dumb, but I've read or tried to research what escrow is, and I'm still not 100% sure that I understand what escrow
2: is. It's essentially a tax on revenues. And the, the way that I want to say that is like they will take a certain portion of your money and put it aside in an account.
1: That, and part, the, that much I understand.
2: At the end of the year, the NHL and NHLPA get by, and they, they, they take their, their counters and they, they figure out how much money they made. And then if they made less than they were supposed to make, because that's how the cap is calculated, right? They try to figure out how much they're supposed to make next year. Usually they take what happened this year and they add 5%. So in 1920, they're supposed to, or sorry, in 1819, they're supposed to make, let's say, $100. And they say, we'll add 5% to that. Okay, so that means in 1920, we're supposed to make $105. If we don't make $105, we will then go into the pool of money set aside from the player's from the players' uh, payments. So every player's paycheck, they take a cut and put in a bank account. Okay. And at the end of the year, if they didn't make that $105, I said, the owners will take from that bank account gotcha. to make up to the $105.
1: Do players get it back if they
2: don't? If need they, it? so if they make more than $105, let's say they make $110, the players get all of that back and they get more money.
1: I see. Okay. The, you just explained it a lot better than every single article that I read on like, <laughs> in the
2: last. It's week. more complicated than that because a certain portion of how much they take and so on and so forth and how much is, it? it, it is more complicated than that. But the Coles notes version is, is that.
1: that. That's all I need. Give me the cliff notes version, baby.
2: Okay. So that, that's what it is. Do you guys not have Coles notes over there?
1: I don't know Cole's notes. I know Spark notes and Cliff notes.
2: Okay, maybe it's Cliff notes, but here we have Cole's notes, and that's the thing that you had when you're reading like Shakespeare in high school. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. That's we had Cole's Same thing. notes. Okay. <laughs> Same thing, I guess. Oh, Anyways, yeah. different publisher, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's the thing. The players weren't happy about that because that's a lot of money taken away. And, and the big thing is that the NHL wasn't hitting that more money, right? They were hitting less. So the players were losing that money. Yeah, and that obviously that creates the issue, right? And so that's and that, that's a problem because they are going well. If if you want to make or if you want to make sure that you make enough money or make the money you should, why are you? Why are we pay, giving out these huge contracts? Which is on both sides, right? Like that's on the players for going to free agency and Mitch Marner making eleven million dollars three years after he comes out of the league comes into the league, and it's on the owners for being like, I'm going to toss you eleven million dollars. It's right. on both sides. They're making irresponsible decisions that have repercussions further down the line. Again, simple discussions or, or simple arguments, but like it, it boils down to that. Um, but either way, that is escrow. And so they, they've whittled that down um, to—so the, the amount of money that they're taking from the players is less. So they'll take up to like 20% of a paycheck and put it aside. I see. Okay. And now they're taking less than that. Okay. Um, that's one thing. Uh, What else is going? Oh, there's no... So trade protections will follow a player now. Okay. Which is a big thing, because usually if you waived your trade protection, it was the other team that brought you in could say, like, I'm not taking that either, so that's dead going forward.
1: I see. So then it's almost like
2: it resets once you get traded. It will... Now it will follow you. So, like... When P.K. Subban was traded to the Nashville Predators, he was traded before uh, his no trade or no move clause, whichever one it was, eventually kicked in. Something that he had already agreed upon with the Montreal Canadiens. But when the Nashville Predators took him on, they said, well, we're not taking that. And it just never was, which allowed them to then trade him to um, New Jersey later on. But under the new rules, that follows him no matter what. Okay, I see. So... That kind of sucks for guys like Andrew Ladd, who have a 15-team no-trade list. mm mm-hmm. So, because like if you say like, well, he waived it, so it's no good. We, we don't we don't have to honor it anymore. They will now have to honor it. Okay. Um, another thing: there's no conditional picks for re-signing. Gotcha. So you've seen that at the trade deadline, like uh, Taylor Hall, his trade had it right where they. I think there's two picks that have conditions on them. One of them is a double condition. It's like if they win the cup and he resigns, it becomes a first or something like that. You can't have conditions based on them resigning. It just doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Gotcha. Which there, there weren't a lot of those this year. A lot of them were more geared towards like if he plays this number of games, it goes from a second to a third or something like that. Exactly. So or there's a third to second.
1: I feel like there's ways around or to not around it per se but to get some value enhanced without it being that he has to resign
2: yeah exactly so like i'm just trying to find all the other details but like this is obviously without getting into the phase three and phase four rules like the return to play protocols exactly right which i i'm not well versed in those yet so i'm I'm not gonna even go down that road no totally fair this is essentially what it is for uh when it comes to the CBA itself, it's basically the same one. They've just have a memorandum of understanding where they're going to now go for it's six years. That's the big thing here. It is six years long, so we're not going to have a lockout minimum for another six years now.
1: That's good. We like it's that. It's
2: great. Um, I, I know there's other deals here when when it comes to like signing bonuses and and and, and such like that. But um, uh, anyways, I won't get into that because I'm not fully well versed on it. Um, but The big thing is they have labor peace. They were able to establish labor peace during a pandemic, mind you. This is insane.
1: No, they did a phenomenal job with this. I think they've handled everything from the return to play to the new CBA, especially in a pandemic, just phenomenally. You can't ask for much better.
2: It's insane. I I know this started a while ago, uh, right, where they had, like, I think... It was even last year, right, where they could reopen the, the the CBA, but both sides said, like, we don't want to. We're, we're good with where we're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now they've been able to bargain a full new CBA, not even just, like, extended in a year, a brand new one, essentially, and uh, and we're good for six years. This is unprecedented in a Gary Bettman era. It really is. It's wild, and I'm loving it.
1: Yeah, no, it's it makes life so much easier for for really everyone involved. Us the fans, the players, and the the ownership and the NHL as well.
2: Right? There's no breakup in play that you just keep doing what you're doing, and that that's how you rack in the money through consistency. Yeah. You stop you stop it at the source, you have no product, no one's coming.
1: Right. If let's say every five years you have some sort of massive dispute that costs you games, then it's gonna cost you in the long run. Exactly. You're trying to build something
2: bigger. That's right.
1: That's uh, de- it's definitely a a positive, and uh, I- I'm definitely, you know, extremely happy that they were able to come to this agreement, and we don't have to have this hanging over our heads, and a potential return to play scenario.
2: Exactly. So, considering what's going on with the other leagues, this is this is great so far.
1: No, absolutely, and uh, I guess that could kind of bring us into uh, the Big Islanders news from this past week that we were able to learn. When the new CBA came out. So, Ilya Sorokin is able to sign a contract for the 2019 20 season, a one year ELC, but he would not be allowed to play in the playoffs.
2: Which is fine for us, but that's kind of crappy for teams like the Minnesota Wild or other teams, right? I just, or like the Montreal Canadiens with Alex Romanov. It really right. sucks for those teams. Like, they could all just point to Kale McCarr and be like, WTF guys, what the hell? You let that guy go in, but we can't get our guy. We're trying to rebuild something here. Uh, we just have to fire our GM at the beginning of the year because he was an idiot. And now we're finally trending in the right direction. And you're like, oh, that, that hot Russian kid that you got? No, no, you cannot play. Why the hell not?
1: Now, well, supposedly they didn't want to be unfair to the teams who weren't coming back.
2: Who cares? Who cares? Why would that matter? They weren't I, going into the playoffs anyways. I know. I know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's insane. Anyways, so they, they can re-sign, like you said, Ilya Sorokin for uh, his ELC in 2019-2020, which is a big, big thing for us because it seemed like he was maybe, or at least thinking about going to Russia if he couldn't sign that ELC. Uh, but now we're still not sure. There's still, still cold water being poured on that. Managing expectations left, right, and center on the Sorokin thing.
1: You don't think he's going to come?
2: I do. I'm just saying like every time you hear like, sorry, when Arthur Staple writes about Ilya Sorokin, he's managing expectations hard. And I I don't necessarily blame him for it because he doesn't want to go out there and say like, he's signing. Rejoice, everyone. He has to be like, just, but we don't actually know. And it's not to say he doesn't want to come. He's just like, he's not, he hasn't signed it yet for a reason. Let's just wait, and here's why things might work out the way they might work out.
1: I get I get why he has to do that, but every time Lamarillo speaks, including today, he sounds
2: extremely confident about getting a deal done with Sorokin. There's no reason not to, right? Like there, There's no reason for him not to sign his, his ELC here. We've right. gone over it a multiple times. Um, going over to Russia, yeah, you'll make some money, but you're not going to make the money you'll make now. Uh, you can have a— 900, a pro-rated $925,000 deal with the NHL, and you don't have to lift a finger mm-hmm. until December, probably, and maybe even earlier than that, if you play in the AHL, which you will be eligible to do so.
1: Exactly, which would only potentially be two
2: months. Yeah, which is, to your benefit. We're going to send you into a lower league, get you kind of used to things, and then come and dominate the NHL and make your big payday. Like, if he does that, let's say he goes to the AHL and does fairly well, and at least gets acclimatized to the situation to North American hockey, and then he, like, tears the NHL a new one. That $2 million to $2.5 million ELR bridge deal we thought he might be getting is no longer. That does not exist anymore. It is something a lot higher than that. Or, sorry, sorry, no. His after-bridge deal. I got too excited here. Because he's going to have to sign a bridge deal for 2021 anyways. Yeah, I would, Im- I would imagine so. Sorry, I got too excited. I got too excited there.
1: No, no, totally, totally fair. I, I just, I think it would have, oh, as the as the RFA. Okay, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yes, the next deal on top of that would, yes, you're 100% right. Then that could be turning into a $6 million cap hit
2: over six years. Like minimum, right? And so, yeah. It again, it really doesn't make sense for him not to come to the NHL. And we don't know yet. It's it's not that, if you're, you're listening to this now, because this is going to come out on Thursday, late Thursday night early Friday morning, and he hasn't signed yet. Well, it, he's not allowed to sign yet. While the NHL said you you are going to be able to sign him, that is reliant on that CBA and RTP being agreed upon by both the NHL and NHLPA, which has not been done yet.
1: Right. It seems like the expectation is that everything is going to pass, correct?
2: Yeah. There's. I, I, I haven't seen anyone say, like, well, I don't think the player is going to be too happy with this. Obviously, there will be some players who aren't happy um, but it's a it's a majority vote, right? So mm-hmm. if most of them vote yay, it passes.
1: Right. And I, I think it's gonna be uh, I, I, I think it's gonna pass. I'm not too worried about there being some sort of issue on this. I'm really not.
2: Right. So we should based on some estimates I saw that they, they we should find out tomorrow if the NHL uh, PA, if all of their membership says yay and it might be late into Friday, but we might find out Friday. Uh, And if if that's the case, then they, the window, sorry, the window for signing Sorokin opens at noon on the third day after everything is signed. So if the NHLPA and the NHL agree and then sign the agreement, so that's the new CBA on Friday, three days after at noon, the window opens to sign 2019-20, excuse me, the, the beer, 2019-2020 contracts like Sorokin opens. So that would be on the 13th, right? So one, two, three, 13th at noon, and closes the fifth day after signing the agreement at 5 p.m. So that would be the 15th at 5 p.m.
1: Right, and that is if everything is signed, sealed, delivered on Friday.
2: That's correct, yeah. Every extra day adds one to that timeline.
1: Exactly, Uh, which, which makes sense. And I... If I was a betting man, which I am, I would bet that it passes and that Sorokin signs his deal in that window.
2: Yeah, I, I I don't, I don't see why he wouldn't. And I, I maybe I should speak to some other people who who might know. Like maybe I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to some KHL people to see. Like, do you know why he wouldn't sign this? Although, like everything we've heard up to date is like there's no reason for him not to do this. CSK Moscow doesn't have the money to eventually match what the NHL can give them. They just don't. So there's no. no reason for him to stay in Russia for another year unless he never intended on coming, which isn't the case,
1: right? Because even think about it like this. So obviously, what was he making previously in the KHL? It was one
2: point four two eight American.
1: About there, you there you go. And there's going to be a cap in the KHL this year, so you wouldn't. If he were to resign, it wouldn't be that much of a significant
2: raise. I couldn't imagine, right? Even And if it is, they still have players under contract over there and players under big contract. I, I don't know how long some of those contracts are going for, but you had like Linden Shipachev, uh Kaprizov, who won't be there, but they're all making in excess of one point some odd million dollars, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when you have a $13 million cap, that adds up quick. 13 players at $1 million, that's it. You need at least 20 players to ice a hockey team.
1: No, totally, and I I think that even so, he would be signing to play for the twenty 2020, twenty 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 one season in the KHL. Yep, he could make more money theoretically on that bridge deal after the ELC, which is for twenty nineteen twenty, which he will never play a game for the Islanders on. He could he would probably make more money on that bridge deal, even if it's a one year deal. I would bet that it would be more money than what he would get in the KHL.
2: Absolutely, maybe not with bonuses, but like we. We won't talk about bonuses necessarily because, like, exactly. he, he can't get bonuses here until November 1st, right? Right. Um, but either way, like, they can give him a signing bonus and be like, here's $2 million. <laughs> that, okay, cool, great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, although that would count against the cap and so on and so forth. And e- either way, it, it, it doesn't make financial sense to stay in Russia. It just doesn't. It, it really does not make financial sense. So, if it's about money, then you do the NHL. The only advantage that Russia has, and we've said this multiple times, is that you can start earlier. Because the, NH- the a KHL season is supposed to start in September. We'll see about that, but it's supposed to start in September. The NHL season might not start till December.
1: But if the AHL is ready to go, obviously it's contingent on if they're able to have fans, then it should start around
2: the same time as Russia normally does. It'd be like a month later, but whatever you still have like training camps and so on and so forth so yeah and then so i will we be talking then about a month instead of three to four month difference that's if you're saying like just wait a month Ilya, and then you can make another million or two dollars this year (laughs) okay okay i wait yeah of course of
1: course i don't know i we've kind of beaten this to death in the in past episodes too but yeah. financial for financial reasons i don't see why he would elect to resign in the khl doesn't make any sense i'm right there with you i agree with you 100 want to get
2: into the quiz yes all right, so it's episode 151 of the Eyes on Isles podcast. So, All Matt, right. I have a player here for you who's played 51 games for the New York Islanders. I will give you five guesses. They get progressively easier, and you have to identify this player. Are you ready? Let's do it. I was born on December 2nd, 1975. Just tell me your answer. Just go for it. Don't know. <laughs> yes! No. Uh, two. I put up 24 points in 59 games in all competitions during my draft year. 24 points, 59 games in all competitions in his draft year. Next. I was drafted in the first round and ninth overall by the Islanders.
1: I wanted to say Josh Bailey, but that's way too early. It's not Josh
2: Bailey. But good no. guess, good guess.
1: I knew ninth overall. That's what the first name that came to my head.
2: Yeah. So he's a ninth overall pick, born in 75, has like a half point per game or, or less in his draft year. Okay. In the year after my draft, I scored 24 goals and 47 points in 26 games in the OHL. That same year, I scored four points in 33 NHL games with 100, in, uh, with 100 penalty minutes. So he played in the OHL and in the NHL that year. He was a monster in the, NH- the OHL, putting up almost uh, a goal per game, and then he did not do very well in the NHL. Okay, what's the next one? I don't know. I have a brother in the Hockey Hall of Fame who also had to retire early due to concussions. Lindros. Brett Lindros. Yes, sir. There we go. Okay.
1: I was able to figure it out. That yes. last one was pretty easy, but... So a all lot right. of
2: uh, like, he looks like a bust and when you look at his numbers they don't skew well at all like 24 points in 59 games during his draft year. Mm-hmm. And like he never played a full season in the OHL. Never. Right. And so you're going there the signs were there early uh and then he flamed out hard when he hit the NHL like hard. Yeah. What what year was he drafted? 1994, I believe. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was 1994. Yes, in 1994. And it's not to say that there was a there was like a ton of players after him. Like there mm-hmm. were some good, better players than he was. Like they played more than yeah, 51 yeah. games. But it was a, it was a bad pick by the Islanders, even though he was said to be like the 14th overall, like based on scouting reports, which seems strange because right. he never really did well aside from his one post draft year. Okay.
1: Interesting. See, I didn't know any of that stuff in the about uh, Lindros in the OHL.
2: Yeah, I, I I forgot about that that one year right after he was drafted. Twenty four goals and forty seven points in twenty six games.
1: That's incredible.
2: That's wild. And the Islanders were like, "Get him over here now!" Yeah, rup,
1: rup. right down the drain. Oof, yeah, not good, not good. Well, when we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending around the Isles Twitter. Welcome back to the Eyes and Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson with you. Getting into the social segment now. Mitch, what do you got with us?
2: Um, So this is from June 29th, and it's from Kristen at Brass underscore Bonanza. And uh, it's a retweet of the SB Nation saying, What's your favorite sports rivalry? And hers is Isles Twitter versus Isles Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) That's just perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) It is Josh Bailey. Just, just people who like Josh Bailey and don't like Josh Bailey. Go. Yeah. That. Wow. This sums it up better. This is a good yeah, job, Kristen.
1: That is that's phenomenal. I love that. That's spot on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first one from me is I don't know if you saw this one when you were gone, but the Athletic came out with NHL
2: arena rankings. I have this one on the list. Yes, I've seen them.
1: Okay, so the Coliseum comes. At, there's 32. Uh, because yep. the Islanders have two arenas. So there you go. Lulz. Kali comes in at 30. Barkley Center 31. Yeah. Your take.
2: Keep in mind that these ratings aren't just about the best place to watch hockey. They are That's what I wrote They are from about. a beat writer's perspective. Exactly. So, and so that title does not do it justice at all.
1: No. It, it, yes. It was very, it was kind of clickbaity because a lot of the stuff that went into it is things that It's not. I'll. I'll say this about the Coliseum. I think it's great for the fan base. And like, if you are going to a game, you're around here, which what ninety percent of the Islanders fan base is pretty local. Like I was half joking in the article. I said if you if you polled the entire building of how long it took them to get to the Coliseum, ninety percent of the people there would say they were able to drive there in twenty minutes or less, just because it seems like the entire you know, fan base is just that hyper local. Um, but I could understand as a visitor if you're staying at that Marriott, there, it's the location isn't phenomenal. Um, the building from the press box scenario isn't really that all high tech. It, it's it's very basic and bare bones. I, I get that. Uh, it works for the Islanders, but I could see from the lens of a beat writer or a visiting player why they might not like to go to the Coliseum.
2: I I get that. And, like, the bathrooms aren't great, right? Like, but the fact that it has a 6.17 atmosphere score, that's the one that got me. When you have places like Wells Fargo, that is a better atmosphere score. Or Bridgestone. Okay, yeah, all right. Nashville, fair enough. Um, Staples Center does not. uh, Rogers Arena in Vancouver. United Center in, in Chicago, like, way better scores the amelie arena these are not better arenas for atmosphere i I don't know what the hell they're talking about
1: yeah i would in terms of atmosphere perspective i would have to say the islanders are probably top five for atmosphere at the coliseum i would say so
2: i really would um, and I don't know what, what went into their score for location, right? They always say location, location, location. What's better from a beat writer's perspective when you have the hotel right next to it? It's right there. You walk across a parking lot and you're right there.
1: True. I guess there's just not, like you have the Chipotle across the street and there's not really anything else.
2: You're a beat anywhere. writer. You're not sticking around Long Island for days, right? Like you're taking no, the next flight out usually to follow the team back to where they're going. True. Unless True. you're like Andrew Gross or, or Arthur Staple, who are already there.
1: <laughs> right. And they also in
2: the poll would probably take 15, 20 minutes to drive to the Coliseum. So, like, th- that's the thing. And and they say that from the start, right? Like, what matters to us doesn't matter to most, um, but it really matters to most uh, to us. Like, this is from a beat writer's perspective. Everyone has to understand.
1: Yes. And uh, I could understand, like, Vegas the canadians and the rangers coming in that high makes sense from the beat writers perspective yeah so it's like what other cities would you rather be in besides vegas montreal or manhattan
2: yeah which is is then like it's a uh, it's more of a score on the market and less of a score on the arena
1: yeah yeah i would i would i would agree I would agree with that, I think.
2: So um, thank you for bringing that because I, I, I think that was a good idea to bring that up because it's not. Anyways, I, I, I when I saw that, I went like, wait, what? The Florida Panthers have a better arena than the New York freaking Islanders? They can't. No one's there. No one's there. And it's, it's you just a both.
1: Do you agree that the uh, Senators arena should have been last? Yes. Yeah, okay. I just wanted your take on that because you're the resident
2: Ottawa person. It's far from everything, uh, just like Nassau Coliseum. Uh, but it's far from everyone in Ottawa. It'd be like having the arena in Manhattan. Maybe that's not true. It'd be like having the arena in like Suffolk County, at like the end of Suffolk County.
1: Yeah, that would just be a pain in the ass for a major, like most people.
2: That's what it is here. Uh, it's a it's a old arena, which is fine. It's not that that, not that old, but it's. Not great. Um, there's nothing around it. Uh, mm-hmm. The atmosphere is dry. It's just not good. It, it, that's what happens when you have a losing hockey. When it's losing hockey all the time, it's not a good atmosphere. And that's what yeah. happened at the Coliseum, right? Losing hockey, people stop showing up. And then you see all the flaws in the building.
1: Yeah, they become amplified, totally. So uh,
2: my next one comes from Mary at BarsCHSX. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but anyways. Uh, this video posted by Isle's account right after my lockdown quarantine breakdown, literally coming to the rescue. And she has like uh, it's a three memes, I guess. I don't know. Three pictures. Okay. And it's a guy saying, give me a reason to live. A picture of Matthew Barzal. Okay, thanks. And the next picture. And that, that was spot on, I think, for all of us struggling with quarantine right now.
1: No, that's it, it's totally perfect. Honestly, it, it is because that's exactly what like that's how we started the show with.
2: Yeah. Right? Like Literally. I just I want to get back to normal. Uh and, and I and us talking about Islanders this is about as normal as it gets for us.
1: Yeah, no one hundred percent. Uh my next one is from a user at In the Fade. It says tattoo number nine in the books, and it is Snoopy playing hockey with like a uh blue and orange winter hat, which is very obviously Islanders themed. I think that's an awesome. I'm not a. I don't have any tattoos, but I, I think they're pretty cool, and I. That's unique. I like it a lot because it's not like necessarily like oh in your face Islanders, but there's like a subtle hint to the Islanders there, which I think is pretty sick.
2: So sorry. Let me. What's what's the Twitter handle again? At.
1: At in the
2: fade. F A D E. Yeah. Okay. Why didn't that not come up when I typed it? Anyway, I, I want to see this thing.
1: And, they have
2: 696.2 thousand followers. Okay, fair enough. I do not see it. and I don't know why. I see the account. I don't see the tweet. You're going to have to send me a link to that later. I, I want to see that. Yeah, I'll do it. Someone we'll do with it a now, lot of tattoos to really. Maybe. Oh, there it is. I see it. See okay. It Very cool. You're right. It's, it's it's subtle. And only someone that, that knows the Islanders would be like, ha, it's the Islanders colors. I right. like it.
1: Yeah, I thought it was unique. It stood out to me.
2: Good job. Good job on that one, Cancel Sports 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my last one is Andrew Ladd. Just all the Andrew Ladd tweets coming out recently from everywhere. I,
1: I can't get enough of Andrew Ladd's TikTok. I love it.
2: It's, it's nice to see him on all those crazy machines and, and doing all that work and putting it in. Uh, love it. I want to see more of that.
1: Yeah, I, I obviously, I, I'm rooting for the guy. I I am. I hope he's able to turn his career around. I really do.
2: Yeah, he'll never be able to make up that five point five million dollar pitfall every year. No, but if he can make make up at least half of it, that'd be great. That'd be nice. Like if he could be like
1: a reasonable third line player. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that make life so much easier?
2: Like consistently, the guy that you know is not going to break down with an injury in two weeks. No, but like, let's say.
1: We'll throw out eight, 18 goals and 40 points.
2: I so would take that from love that. Lide, right? I, would, I would take 30 points. I would love 40 points. That would be amazing. Right?
1: I mean, the goalposts are completely moved from where we originally were. But if you're saying that you could play with J.G. Pagel, give you 15 to 20 goals and 35, 40 points, then I think that could semi justify it
2: a little. You you have to move the goalpost at this point because it's 3 years now going on 4 where we know it's not going to be 5.5 worth. We know this is at the end of that deal, right? This is where it was supposed to start going down and it went down from the day from day 1. So yeah, if he can make up for it now, that'd be great. That would be amazing. Absolutely.
1: I just don't so. see it happening. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Before we get out of here, just going to do a couple of plugs. So wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review. really helps us out a lot. Also, if you haven't already, please consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash eyesonisles. You get a weekly mailbag show, post-game shows, which will be coming back sooner rather than Mm -hmm. later. Uh, we break down two other topics a week, usually in more in depth. We don't usually get to do this on the main show, but we'll go, you know, 30 minutes in depth on why Elis O'Rourke should come here. It's just different things like that. Uh, you get live streams and a really
2: awesome community of Islanders fans over there. Right, Mitch? It's a blast. Um, just just being able to. These are my friends now. Like I, I actually had friends here that I never talked to at all. I'm I'm very introverted and very within my own bubble. And now my Mm -hmm. own bubble involves my patrons and the people in my page who are actually now my friends. It's it's wild. It's incredible.
1: Absolutely. It's awesome. Definitely worth checking out. You can also follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch is at TLO Mitch. You can like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone or Android. And, of course, you can visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs.
2: I'm so hot, man. Can can we just go? I'm sweating. My chair is all wet from, like, leg sweat. It's so gross.
1: We're going to get on out of here so that uh, Mitch could take a shower quick. (laughs) But thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. And we'll talk to you next time.